Welcome, everybody, to the San Antonio Realty Pros Podcast. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this upcoming episode. We intend to bring you the best content and the best information possible about real estate, and you might learn something along the way. Thanks for joining. Enjoy the episode. I want to welcome you back to this week's episode of the San Antonio Realty Pros Podcast with your host, David Karras and Stephen Randolph. That was cheesy. That was cheesy. I got to start yeah. that all over again. No, you could have left that there. I mean, I'm leaving it. You're leaving it? I'm going to leave it. Out. Yeah, so. That's <laughs> a good they thing. don't know for goofballs by now, it's, yeah. they're going to just turn it off. And We're not here for, people. I think people listen to us just for comedic value and yeah. then get a little something out of it you know there's a, a nibble of real estate information right. and a lot of goofball a lot of goofball but if people that are listening to us and they know us they know that this is us being genuine yep right and that's the biggest thing about being a realtor is you have to be genuine you have to be in there with a, a honest heart and you know no ulterior motives we don't want to know that fake stuff fake Fate. Hey, you know what? That, that's good. You know, next song will be Millie Vanilli since we're ta- talking about fake. <laughs> <laughs> Millie Vanilli. So, Man, hey, I haven't heard that in a long time. Oh, hey, I'll find it for you. <laughs> Go get some lunch. We'll cruise to it. Millie we just Millie. roll down the windows, hang around the mall, and cruise around like a little mall with crawler. T- with, the, with the sunroof open? I don't have a sunroof. But you got, you got a sawzall. <laughs> you got... Nah. I got some masking tape, a sawzall, and some black spray paint. You know how many rollovers I've been to that have had... Uh, sunroofs and the people have been ejected Ejected. from yeah yeah so I kind of it is what it is you know I'll just keep my window down and fly out that way (laughs) (laughs) less likely for the car to roll on you for sure (laughs) but anyway let's let's get back to real estate so um, you know the past we did a recap the week before last last week we were talking about um, pitfalls of getting a mortgage uh, when you're self-employed and then uh, this week Let's talk about how we can work on lowering some closing costs for a home buyer. Okay. So, you know, I love going to closings. And then when uh, we find out how much we have to bring to the table, we find out that my client's getting a check, right? And we're like, how do you get a check at closing, right? You're like, you're getting paid to buy a house. Yeah. Well, kind of. But, you know, a lot of the times you're just getting your earnest money back because, you know, we've negotiated enough in closing costs to cover what it's going to cost to close on that house. And then you kind of get some residual back from your, your earnest money. Because when you put an offer on a house and it's accepted, you write usually 1% um, of a, uh, the house value yeah. for earnest money. And then the title company cashes that check and then it just it's held in an escrow account until closing. And then it's applied as needed. So, um, according to Realtor.com, the average closing cost can range from two to seven percent, and it really the biggest chunk of that closing costs. Um, there's a couple things I have to do with it, right? If mm-hmm. you're a veteran, if you're you're uh, using a VA loan, two point one five percent of that house price is the VA funding fee. Okay. So if you're buying a, uh, let's just keep simple math, right? Dave, Dave, simple math. So let's say you're buying a house that's $100,000. $2,150 is the VA funding fee. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying a $200,000 house, it's now $4,300. Now, 
So, and it goes up and it goes up and it goes up. Um, so I've got a client that's buying a house that's almost 360000 The VA funding fee is over $8,000. Right. So, but that gets financed into the loan. Um, you don't have to come up to the table with it, but if you can, I recommend paying that because if you finance $8,000 into your home loan, yeah. you're going to pay, it's going to end up costing you $16,000 if you held that term of that loan out yeah. for 30 years, depending on your interest rate. So um, there's all kinds of different things. A lot of it has to do with your lender. Is your lender charging you a loan origination fee? Right. Lenders can charge up to 2% loan origination fee. Yeah. So if you're buying a $200,000 house, your lender could charge you up to $4,000 to originate that loan. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I've seen that, actually. Um, we've got one lender that doesn't charge a... Uh, so, uh, Lori, it, it's a nine ninety five flat fee to... to oh, it's flat fee. Loan. Okay. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> Which is great because... Yeah. So it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're buying a $100,000 house or a half a million dollar house yep. for that, for Chase to do it. And I'm going to put a little asterisk out there because I never know when you're going to listen to this. It could be like listening to it three years from now. Yeah. That's what it is right now. Nine ninety five for loan origination fee. And today's April 9th, 2019. 2019. It's 12.07 <laughs> So I know you're not listening to this because this is we're, we're doing these weeks in advance. So you actually should be listening to this approximately the 23rd of April. <laughs> so yes, it is the 23rd. Today's the 23rd. Man, look at that. Wow. Future. So today's the 23rd and we're, man, <laughs> time travelers interlinked with time but uh you know so it all depends right in texas it's typical that the seller pay for the title policy so when i went to go buy a parcel of land next to my parents house in delaware i thought i was being a good guy and in a contract i was like hey i'll, pick, I'll cover half of the closing costs <laughs> well that person signed the, the contract i guess he never read that part and then the day before closing, when they they gave him like the settlement statement and stuff, he's like, oh, I'm not paying all these closing costs. And I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm helping you out. And he's like, in Delaware, the buyer pays the title policy. I'm like, my bad. I thought I was doing, you know, I was doing you a solid. But, you know, you signed the contract and, hey, sucks. Yeah. So You didn't read your paperwork, right. sir. You know, that's why it's important to read, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's an attorney. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway... You know, in Texas, the seller usually pays for that. So I know for a fact, 100%, every time I put an offer in, I I put a, a mark the X on seller pays for title policy. Mm-hmm. Um, another closing cost could be a survey, right? The buyer can pay for it or the seller can pay for it. Yeah. So if I'm putting an offer in, I'm always marking if the um, survey is not available that the seller pay for it. Yeah. Because in my eyes, the seller should be able to provide a good survey. Mm-hmm. Now, flip side it, if I'm the listing agent and somebody says, hey, if the lender won't or title won't accept the survey, you know, and they put seller pay on it, I'm like, nope, buyer pays for it. Because in my eyes, if I'm the listing agent, if your lender won't accept what I've given you or title won't accept what I've given you, sucks. You, know, mm-hmm. you kind of need to cover that. So right. I play both sides depending on what I'm doing. But right now we're kind of talking about um, if you're a buyer, but I'm kind of mentioning sellers because it all plays into what the buyer has to pay for closing mm-hmm. costs. Um, you know, HOA transfer fees, those are all negotiable too. Um, you know, it's, you can, depending on when you buy the house. Yeah. When you're times. closing, mm-hmm. it can affect your, your, uh, Closing costs because if you buy a house on the first of the month, you're paying prorated taxes, 
prorated interest, everything like that for that whole month. Mm-hmm. Well, if you close at the end of the month, then it, that number won't be as much. Now, are you saving thousands of dollars? No, but every little bit counts. Um, a lot of the other little fees are, um, you know, so it could be realtor fees. In Texas, it is standard that the typically, right, everything's negotiable. But typically what happens is the seller pays both sides of the, the realtor commissions. Right. Well, I want to say in Delaware, I didn't use a realtor because I already knew that parcel land because I mowed it for 15 years. But, <laughs> um, you know, so I didn't, and it, I didn't use a realtor. But I think in Delaware, each party pays that realtor's commission. So depending on where you're at, you may have to pay as a buyer, the buyer's agent commission. Uh, the lender's fees. Um, to, oh, the title fees. So, like here in Texas, uh, don't quote me because I'm not looking at a sheet right now, but I think it's there's a $3.50 e recording fee, a $7 county recording fee, there's a um, 100, you know, $120, $150 attorney dot prep fee. Um, you know, there's all kinds of little fees in there. Uh, your property insurance. So you're gonna have to pay 15 months of property insurance. Mm-hmm. So because your your homeowner's policy, you have to pay it all in advance yep. for that whole year. So that's where the 12 months come in, and then they put three months into an escrow account. So that because your your lender will pay your title policy, pay your insurance, and pay your property taxes. So that's where the 15 months comes in. So you know you can look at all right, you know I need to get insurance but I don't have enough money for the down payment, but I can afford a monthly payment that's higher. Maybe you talk to your insurance provider, and I'm not condoning this. I'm just giving examples, right? Mm-hmm. You talk to your insurance provider about getting a base, basic policy so that the premium's lower so you have less to come up to at closing, and then you can switch it after you've closed to whatever policy you want. Yeah. Right? And then because you can make that monthly payment, things like that. That also impacts your debt-to-income ratio, too. So your insurance, you, you know, when they look at your monthly payment, it's your taxes, your insurance, your principal, and your interest. So that'll all look at everything as well. Um, the appraisal fee. Appraisals are usually $450 to $550. Most of the time, they're about $500. So sometimes you have to pay for them in advance. Sometimes they, the lender will let you pay for them at closing. Um and then the title policy as well. So there's just all kinds of different little closing costs that are associated with it. Now, what you can do is you can talk to um, your lender and say, hey, how much are we looking at for closing costs on the loan side? And then you can talk to your realtor and they can talk to the title company. And be like, So in Texas, the state regulates what the title policy is, regardless of what company you use. So the realtor can find out what the title policy is pretty cheap or pretty easy. Um, you know, it's just figuring out what those other little fees are. So if you're using, like, I like to use Independence Title. So I can pull out an old fee sheet from a, one of my previous closings, and I can go there. If my client's like, hey, what are we looking at? I can go and pull it out, and I can look at all the little nickel and dime fees mm-hmm. that they're going to be and be like, hey, here's what you're looking at for closing from the title side. Right. Here's what I estimate your property value is or, you know, your property taxes are going to be based off of what we're selling the house or buying the house for. It's going to be less, but I'm going to give you a worst case scenario. Uh, how much is your insurance? We'll figure that into it. And then we look at the lender fees, merge them all together. And then that's when we figure out, 
all right, you're going to need like six grand to come to the table. How much you got? I got two grand. All right, well, now I know we got to ask for $4,000 in closing closing costs when we submit this offer. So I try to do my best to make it to where I can negotiate the majority, the biggest chunk of those closing costs into the contract. And then you take that earnest money. So let's say you bought a uh, $200,000 house you and you put $2,000 down in earnest money, right? And if you need 6000 for closing, I can negotiate 4000 They take that $2,000 from your earnest money, apply it to it, and there's your $6,000. So that's how you can come. That, that's one way you can come to the table without having to bring any money. Right. Right? Let's flip it around a little bit. Let's say let's say closing costs are $5,000, and I can negotiate 4000 and you pay 2000 in earnest money. Well, we have $6,000 in the table, and we only need 5000 so you get a check for $1,000 at closing. So that's how you walk away getting a check Some money when back. you close. Mm-hmm. So, and that know, can help out with like moving expenses or oh, stuff. Everybody know. wants to buy new. You need new drapes. You need new dishes. Mm-hmm. You need new this. You need new that, especially if it's your first time you're buying a home. Yep. You know, you might not have all that furniture. You might be living mm-hmm. in a one-bedroom or a studio apartment, and now you got a three-bedroom house. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a water hose for the outside. You're going to need mats for the... Utilities required uh, deposits. Yep. You know, things like that. So, you just... It it can be... Oh, you can drop a grand quick moving into a new place. Easily. Whether you're already a homeowner (coughs) or not, you you can drop a grand real quick. So, and I I would recommend that if you need, you know, 4,000 in closing costs, what I would recommend is you ask for a little bit more because here's what's typically going to happen. You're going to get into a negotiation battle with the other side. And if you don't need uh but five thousand and you ask for five thousand and they say no we're going to give you thirty five hundred well that might be a deal breaker and you may not be able to 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 get it because you know then it's our job as real estate agents to go back and say hey look i know your your seller really doesn't want to give this but in order to make this deal work this is what we have to have and then you know you can get down to some some tighter negotiations that way um and sometimes people They'll bump up the price of the house. Yeah, yeah. Say, so, hey, look, cost. if we we're listed at two fifty right now, we go two fifty five. Yeah, you can have your two. So, you can have your five in closing. So you know, when I was with my client yesterday and we were looking at stuff, I was going over the market with them and pulled up, pulled up everything right there with them. And there's a house that sold for two hundred forty thousand dollars, and we mm-hmm. clicked on it because that's the target range we're looking at. Well, it was originally listed at two thirty six, sold for two forty. Yeah, I look over at closing costs and they got four thousand in closing costs. Mm-hmm. So basically, that buyer was like, "Look, I'm giving you a full price offer. I need you to kind of cover my closing costs." And yeah, we're gonna, you know, so it's exactly what just happened with the house that I've got uh, under contract right now. So we had to. But here's the problem with that, and it's a double edged sword. You can't do that if you're so high at the price point already in the home that it won't appraise. Because here's what's going to happen. The whole deal is going to fall apart. <laughs> we talked about this in a later episode, right? Yeah. We talked about or it could work for your client's benefit too. It, it is a double-edged sword. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because so it could go either way. You know, you you bring the price of the house up so high uh, because you're adding for closing costs, and then it only appraises for X amount of dollars, and you got a problem. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to go back to the table and sit down. And, and that's why you look at the third-party financing addendum. And if you're the buyer's agent, you put the full price of that offer in there. Mm-hmm. And if you're the listing agent, you then ask you're them like, to, yeah. yeah. So minus the cash, yeah, minus the, the closing. Yeah. So yeah, um, and that and that worked out for you. Those are tips and tricks that we will not divulge until you sit down and talk with us. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give you all that. But as a client, by doing that, it saved your deal from because you were having problems appraising. Oh with, yeah, with twenty grand down mm-hmm. and. 
you know, wouldn't have appraised if it was $20,000 higher. So yeah. we saved, by doing that little trick, it saved your client $20,000. For sure. So yep. that's a car. It, yeah. It's, it's, that's, a, that's a year at school for a exactly. decent college. So, um, it's a semester for some. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it gets you the books for Harvard. Well, yeah, but, no, uh, I think I think it's super important that um, that you know you look at those things too because if if you're not um, if you're if you're dealing with an agent that's not really there to dig down into the details and mm-hmm. figure out how we can save the deal or make the deal work in your favor, you know, you're probably already too deep into it, you know, with that agent anyways at this point. But make sure that. That you know, this is why we put these episodes on because so that you kind of understand before you get into the situations. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, and, and then you realize that you know what these guys know what they're talking about. I'm right. just going to deal with them, right? But um, you know the the other thing that you can do, and, and I mentioned it, I've mentioned it pretty frequently, especially when it comes to the lender fees. Shop different lenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super important because they want your business. Here's how the here's how the lending business works, right? So they either take your loan and they put it on the market and they sell it. So let's say let's say you buy a two hundred thousand dollar house and they have a two thousand uh, a one percent loan origination fee. So they're making two thousand dollars to type it up paperwork and getting the mortgage together. Mm-hmm. Okay, then they go sell on the open market for say ten thousand dollars. So they made twelve thousand dollars on typing up some paperwork and giving you a loan, right? So these people on the open market. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, whoever, whatever, Penny Mac, whoever's buying up these these they loans. They buy these bundles right? of loans. Yep. So the way they look at it is, okay, the average person lives in their home for four years. If they're paying me $1,000 a month in interest, that's $48,000 in interest. So if I pay this person $10,000, I'm making $38,000. Mm-hmm. So if they ride out longer, then we make more money. So that's why these lenders will sell it. Now, the flip side, let's say that, that the lender that you're using, it, it's a portfolio loan, meaning that they maintain that, that loan in-house. They originate it and they service it. They originate it. it and they service it, and then every month you're paying them $1,000 in interest. Mm-hmm. So when it comes time for shopping rates and stuff like that, pit them against each other and figure out who can cut their rates to the, to the lowest possible extent so that you know you're you have to come up with a table with less money. Yeah. Right? Because they're going to make money anyway. Lenders don't give you loans to break even. No. Right? They're definitely it's not just, in the business. Have it's you just like ever looked door. at that final number? Have you ever looked at the home price that you're buying the home for? Mm-hmm. Have you ever you looked at that one and a half year? times or, or oh, more yeah. depending on your yeah. interest rate? They're not in the game for free. And, and they're going to do the same thing that real estate agents do. We're going to fight as hard as we can to negotiate the best deal in order to get the much commission as we can get. But we're also going to service you with the most, like, you're going to get the absolute best care out of us. Well, the same way with the mortgage companies. They're going to they're gonna fight for that best deal, and they're going to give you the best service, but you got to make sure that you're getting a company that is going to give you the best service. Right, and reputable. You don't want a cut rate mortgage company to come in and be like, oh, well, you know, we'll give you the best rate. And then you get the worst service possible, mm-hmm. like, it's not even. It's almost worth more to go to the more expensive lender to get that. Sometimes you get what you care. pay for. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got a client right now that's dealing with a big builder's mortgage company, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. The builder representative himself, his wife, dealt with the same issues, and that's the reason he bought a house or was going to buy a house through this company 
And he actually works for him. And he's like, they canceled the deal because it's the mortgage company is so terrible. Yeah, I got a client now that um, they fired the builder's lender. Yeah. And then they ended up firing firing the builder. And then I'm I'm now representing them, and, and we're closing the 26th of April. Things yeah. are things are running smooth. Yeah. Um, but I heard nothing bad, uh, nothing good about these builders lenders. Um, they're not set up to do mortgages. They well, they're set up to build houses. And when you try to guess. when you try to when you try to take a product like okay, you and I do real estate. Guess what? Next week we're going to become insurance agents, and we're getting our mortgage license. Right. And we're going to do an all inclusive package. Well, guess what? The idea is great, but you can't make it efficient and and and, and, and here's what's going on. These lenders that they use, these preferred lenders, <clears throat> they're they're like, you know, X amount of people. Yeah. And then they get all of the loans for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. So if you're working with a builder builder A, right, mm-hmm. and they have fourteen different communities, well you got fourteen different communities feeding these applications and yep. stuff to four or five people. So yeah, you can't it's just, do it. you can just, it's not easily to manage. Yeah. I'll and tell you something about sales and I've been doing it for 12 years going on 13 years. I've been in the sales process dealing with customers and I'll tell you the biggest problem with salespeople is the ability to take in all the leads, clients and, and customers that you, you run across being able to keep, in touch with those, follow up and give them the amount of attention that they need. It's the hardest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a big company that has a very <coughs> small um, group of employees that are handling those leads that are coming in, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to do what you intended originally right. to do and maintain it. I mean, you could do it, but your service suffers hugely yeah. and that's usually what happens with sales companies uh, any kind of per- people that are in the com- in the customer service industry they have a problem it's a tight funnel it's a bottleneck that they run into and um, you know I thought years ago that I would start this consulting company um, just a like a myself consulting you know but what I realized is there's not you just can't help these companies because they won't they, they don't have the ability to hire enough people uh, that care enough uh, that can put the systems in place to be able to uh, handle that much uh, that much activity. It's just it's almost impossible. So you've got to be able to break it up. And uh, that's that's really what they need. And that's why I say, you know, with us, uh, we would love more business, but at the same time, it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two because you get so much. Uh, so many people or clients that you're having to deal with and, and you almost can't provide the level of care that you really need to. So we'll turn people away. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I would rather refer you out to someone that can take care of you because I don't want to tell you that I'm going to be able to handle your needs and then not be able to deliver on what I tell you. That's, that's just, um, that's bad business and I don't, I don't believe it's fair. So I, I, I would say, you know, that happened to you today, right? And you had a, you had a call and, and mm-hmm. somebody was trying to refer you some business or give you some business, and you're like, "Hey, look, <laughs> I'd love to, but I just can't manage a project that large right now because I don't feel I can take care of the client yeah, the way that they need they to." They wanted to, they wanted to give me a duplex to manage, um, and maybe sell, uh, but one of the duplexes is is going to need uh, extensive remodeling, mm-hmm. and I just don't have the time to be a project manager mm-hmm. to go by and make sure things are going right, and 
I don't want my name associated with trashy service. Yep. The the property owner lives out of state, and but regardless, I don't want to, I don't want my name associated with garbage or lack of customer service. Mm-hmm. And I felt that um, if I took that on, that I would be providing garbage service. Mm-hmm. It it could still be well above other people's. But I have a high level of standard, and if I don't meet my standard, then I feel like I'm providing garbage service, mm-hmm. and I don't want to compromise my standards and the service I provide. Because at a certain point, I'm going to get too busy, and then everybody's going to suffer, and I can't get to that point. Yeah. So it's just it's not feasible. It's not professional, and you know that's that's why we have buyers agents that we can kind of refer some stuff off and take some stuff off of our plates and and whatnot. But yep. Yeah. But yeah, so those are just some of the tips that you can, you know, look at doing when you're negotiating closing costs. Um, but when you use a professional realtor, um, whether it's Stephen or I or someone in Bangor, Maine, do your research. Figure out who they are. Do they focus on buyers? Do they focus on sellers? Are they on both sides? I like to work with people, and I like to do both sides because I can tell my clients that are buying. Here's where my position would be if I'm the listing agent. Mm-hmm. And then we can strategize against that. So we kind of, in the Army, we call that red teaming. So I kind of like to, to red team the offers that we put in, try and find some holes. Where can we, where could a potential hole be and identify that and see if we're okay with that or how do we strengthen that up? And, you know, I mean, I did that with one of Steven's deals. We looked at it and uh, the offer was a good offer, but there was a couple holes in it. We red teamed it a little bit, countered back. They accepted the counter back offer. Steven got that household, and his, his client was protected. We perfect by doing that. We protected a twenty thousand dollar investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, had not been for that situation, we could have got into a really bad prolonged closing or potential deal completely falling apart. So it's always good. Uh, just make sure you're doing your your part to. Uh, Ensure that you've covered all the bases because it, it's easy to get lost in the weeds on some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think, I said this something the other day, uh, Some somebody was talking about, uh, somebody that I know was talking about, you know, you know real estate agents kind of got it easy. I was like, yeah, we have it so easy. Like, we don't do anything hardly. Like, we don't have to deal with any stress and nothing like that. And so I started explaining these things to them. Um, about some of the stuff that we go through. <coughs> Not only that, just our schooling and all that stuff and all the classes that we have to take and maintain, all the fees that we have to pay. It's not an easy deal. Like, I lose sleep at night sometimes because I'm thinking about, did I forget something? Did I forget to call somebody? Did I miss an email? Or did I think I saw an email and I didn't return it? And See, I'm always working in my dreams. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't get the best quality of sleep as I used to. I love, I absolutely love what I'm doing now. Um, I thank David personally, um, you know, because I was in sales in, in another industry. Uh, I've been in a lot of different sales uh, environments and management environments, and I've always wanted to do something on my own. I've been a little bit of an entrepreneur here and there, um, but I've failed in businesses. I've started businesses that have completely failed, and it's no fault of my own. I mean, it's actually... Uh, I'll be honest, there's some certain things that when you start a business, like they don't always work out. Everybody wants to go be their own business owner and they want to be self-employed and they want to do these things. 
Um, and then they hear these stories of glory and all this stuff about it all works out perfect and they're, they're their own boss. But I want to tell you something. I started three businesses. I successfully ran two and shut them down because I got busy with something else. It's kind of like a hobby for me instead of a job, right? And so when I started selling real estate and, and doing this, like I absolutely love uh, what I do and I enjoy it more than anything I've done because it gives me some freedom. Um, yeah, we work a lot and we do a lot of stuff and it's really sporadic. Sometimes it's like complete dead silence. And then the next second you turn around, you can't even grab your butt with both hands. So it, it can be um, very um, busy, very busy at times. And then it also, there's times when you, like I said, you, you can be sitting on the couch like David does in his Facebook live videos, just staring at the walls because he doesn't know what to do with himself because he doesn't often have that kind of downtime. But hey, I've only done that video one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I only remember seeing one of those. So it does happen. But, you know, um, we do enjoy ourselves and we love what we do and we love helping clients. So um, I think that's going to pretty much wrap up this episode. I, I, I appreciate you guys listening in on a weekly basis. And, and um, again, we're trying to continually come up with good episodes so you guys can get some information and, and get a little bit of humor as well but uh for the for the main part we just want to provide a um, a good uh support system for you to listen in on and get some information if you have questions about any of the shows you can definitely um you know send us a facebook message or text us or call us you probably if you're listening you're one of our close uh friends or family members or somebody that we know personally uh, we're trying to expand our, our, our listening crowd. So um, if you're not local to the San Antonio market, um, thank you for, for listening in. And, and uh, you know, send us a message. Tell us where you heard us at and, and um, you know, let us know what you do for a living and, um, you know, where you're calling from or, or where you're messaging from so we kind of get an idea of our, our uh, audience. So, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to close it out right there. I really appreciate you guys um, checking in with us. And David's going to play you out some some nice uh, boys to men. Man. <laughs> and we'll talk to you guys later. The end of the road, baby. <laughs>